Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Attention BetMGM customers. Have a friend who loves sports as much as you do? Here's a chance for both of you to earn a $50 bonus when they sign up through BetMGM's Refer-A-Friend program. Just sign into your BetMGM account and click on the Refer-A-Friend program to send your friend a message inviting them to register a new account in the same state you use BetMGM in. Once your friend signs up and makes a deposit, they'll receive a $50 bonus. And once your friend places a bet with their bonus and the wager is settled, you'll receive a $50 bonus as well. Share the excitement and get a $50 bonus every time you refer a friend to BetMGM. Visit BetMGM.com for terms and conditions. Must be 21 years of age or older to wager. Ohio only. New and existing customer offer. All promotions are subject to qualification and eligibility requirements. Rewards issued as non-withdrawable bonus bets. Bonus bets expire in 30 days. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. Happy Thanksgiving. Hey guys, I just wanted to let you know that everything over at birdlandsports.com, all the t-shirts, sweatshirts, and other things is all on sale this week for Thanksgiving at 20% off. That includes film study t-shirts and sweatshirts. So head on over there and grab some Christmas gifts or grab a shirt or sweatshirt for yourself for all your Baltimore sports fans. Check out birdlandsports.com. Hi, folks. Welcome to another episode of Film Study. This is Ken McCusick. Here for this week's Know Your Foe episode, and we are really pleased to have Lori Fitzpatrick joining us. Uh, she's at USA Today Touchdown Wire. Lori, how you doing? I'm doing fantastic. How about yourself? Uh, I can't complain. Uh, second time for you on the show. Really appreciated having you on the last time the Ravens played the Jaguars. Uh, you bring experience as an ex-running back, correct, yourself? Mm-hmm. Yes, okay. yes, yes. And so I'm I'm excited to kind of dive in into that a little bit. ETN's doing pretty well. So uh so yeah, I'm excited, man. All right. And uh other people can follow you on Twitter handle? Yeah, so it's uh it's at Laurie Fitzpatrick and uh the the last name I I had to keep the fits in there, but it's uh there's no more vowels after that. So it's L A U R I E then uh Fitzpatrick and that's F I T Z. Then P T R C K. All right. Outstanding, Lori. So let's dive right into it and talk about the, the Jacksonville Jaguars. Actually, it's one thing I need to do first. Thank our sponsor. That's Liquid Death, the water that will murder your thirst. Uh, really appreciate them sponsoring us. They've they've uh, been good to us. They, they present their product in aluminum cans. Uh, you know, certainly try them out for the flavor. Uh, stay for that. But the aluminum cans, if you have that green streak in you, are much more recyclable than plastic, which will end up in a landfill. So we really appreciate uh, uh, appreciate you giving their product a try. Uh, Lori, again, I'm sorry to restart here, but uh, tell us about uh, the Jacksonville Jaguars and their offseason. Let's talk, start with that. Yeah, so <clears throat> I think uh, they didn't do too bad in the draft this year. Uh, one thing I, I will say is I think we all expected a little bit more uh, from Trayvon Walker. Uh, as as the first overall pick, um, but Doug Peterson is kind of taking the whole uh, Andy Reid approach, where Andy Reid doesn't use his rookies too much, uh, and uh, it seems like 
uh, Tr- Trayvon Walker is used a little bit more on first and second down. Then he kind of comes off uh, the field and uh, he he's doing okay. Uh, but I just think that we expected him to, to do a little bit more. Um, but I mean, he, I think he, I think he is still a really good pickup between him and Hutchinson. I think Hutchinson has been in the news a little bit more. Uh, he got that uh, that one interception uh, last week, but Walker had a similar interception himself. Uh, and I think as soon as he kind of adds a little more uh, pass rush moves uh, to his uh, to his arsenal, I think he'll, he'll be a little bit better. Um, but as of as in Trayvon Walker, I just um, you know right now I'll I'll kind of give it like a a, a B minus uh, mm-hmm. in terms of if, if I were to give that pick a grade as of right now. Um, another uh, the, the another pick was De- Devin Lloyd, uh, who's the who's the linebacker, and he he started off the season pretty well. Um, but as the season has gone on, um, actually Chad Mumba, the uh, the linebacker from I think it was Utah, mm-hmm. um, he's kind of taken him. he's kind of taken some of his uh, his snaps. So, so go go back to Walker for a second. But I want to talk about Mumba too. Um, uh, with Walker, has you mentioned he's playing a lot of first and second downs, but he's coming off the field on some passing downs. It's a little bit surprising to me. Uh, yeah, so he will drop off. He will drop it in coverage, um, but I think that they really want him to be more of a a pass rusher okay. uh, than anything. Uh, so yeah, he's he has um, on first and second downs 180 pass rush snaps, uh, and on third and fourth down, it's uh, it's around 90. Okay. All right. So uh, interesting. Uh, the, you know, they've, they certainly got him as the as the best available pass rusher in the draft. Uh, effectively right or did they did they look at him and say that he's a run defender as well yeah so i i think it's a little it's actually all three uh so pass rusher run defender and he's he can also drop back into coverage so as an outside linebacker uh, okay so uh, chad i i always pronounce it muma in the thing but it's chad mama from Wyoming? Oh, no, I think it is Muma. I, I think you're right. <laughs> okay. Uh, uh, that's okay. I, I was very excited about it. He was one of the mid-round linebackers that I thought the Ravens might really look at. Um, and they, they ended up, uh, you know, playing the cards they had and doing very well with it with, with Patrick Queen, you know, taking a big step forward and then picking up Roquan Smith in the middle of the year here. But uh, uh, Chad Muma was definitely a, a, a good tackler at Wyoming. Yeah, and he's been he's been playing really well uh, against the run. Uh, he's really penetrating the gaps really well, trying to get um, a lot of uh, tackles behind the line of scrimmage. I think he's he's actually been doing pretty well at that. Uh, and the Jaguars are kind of in the middle of the of the pack when it comes to run defense. They were towards the bottom last year, so they have gotten better. Uh, and I think. He's coming in to replace Devin Lloyd on those run fits. He, he certainly did last week. Okay, so they're depending on Lloyd more as a, a coverage guy, as a, as a third down backer that they leave in there. Yeah, but he, it's just, we're, I think they're just trying to see what Chad brings first, okay. um, but he's definitely more of a run uh, fit type of defensive guy. All right. How about uh, other uh, developmental surprises the Ravens, the uh, Jaguars have had this year? Who's who's really stepped up and as a maybe a second, third, or fourth year player who's at a new level now? Well, first I, I wanna I wanna talk about uh, the center. He's actually a rookie, Luke Fortner, mm-hmm. and he's just done a fantastic job. Uh, I just wanted to to kind of throw that out there because as a center, like outside of like Linderbaum, I believe. Like there weren't a ton of guys that that were really talked about in the draft, um, and I just uh, even though he is a rookie, um, th- there might be something that that the Ravens could target uh, this week. But at the same time, like he's been doing a fantastic job. So, um, but uh, yeah, moving on to players that have done um, maybe second or third year uh, guys like that. Well, Etn would be my the main one, uh, but it's. It's tough to say, like, is it his rookie season technically? Because he only really had like 10 snaps last year. Mm -hmm. Uh, So that's kind of interesting. But he's definitely uh, stepped it up uh, in terms of production. I believe he uh, he's top 10 in in yards 
Uh, he's top uh, 10 in yards after contact, I believe. I think he's seventh in broken tackles. So uh, ETN, especially after James Robinson's departure uh, to the New York Jets, uh, he's he's been able to carry the load quite well. All right, outstanding. I, I always love to hear what you think about running backs in particular with your background. Uh, are, you mentioned Luke Fortner again, another guy. The Ravens obviously were looking for offensive linemen in this draft, and Linderbaum being taken uh, was you know one of the guys they were targeting. And the question was for the Ravens a lot of uh, they had a need and they just wanted to I think fill it with a value pick at some point. And I, I guess at twenty five they figured that Linderbaum was too much of a value to pass up. But Luke Fortner was one of the guys I really liked. I thought he he was probably going to last until the third round. Then he ends up going at 51. Cole Strange ended up going at 29 to the Patriots. That was the first of a set of dominoes that that really um, made the centers all go quickly. So uh, I think it ends up being the, the teams that that jumped a little bit early, the gun to get a center, hopefully get paid off in, uh, in this draft. And hopefully that includes both the Ravens and Jags. Mm-hmm. Uh, how about some injuries that, that, that are occurring right now? What's, uh, what's going on with the Jags health-wise? Honestly, I think they're like a top-five team in terms of health. Um, they, they really don't have many injuries. Uh, over the last couple of weeks, Jamal Agnew, their, their kick returner, he was having tr- some trouble, so he was out. Uh, they also lost um, Shaquille Griffin, the other corner. Uh, from you know all those years in Seattle, uh, but honestly, he wasn't really playing up to expectations anyway. Uh, so I believe he he's he is on IR right now. Uh, he had a little bit of a back issue. Um, so uh, th- they do have Trey Herndon in there uh, playing right now, and and he he's been targeted a lot over the last couple weeks. Uh, so that is a little bit of an issue, um, but. Uh, yeah, in, in in terms of injuries, they're actually they're actually quite well, uh, to be honest, which is which is kind of surprising. So, uh, Chason is still out. I don't. I, I um, was... no. So he he is uh, Clavon. He he was just actually put on IR today, uh, but he uh, he didn't really seem like he was making much of an impact. So I guess I didn't include him because I didn't think it was much of a blow. Okay. All right. Well, fair enough. I see Ben Barch and Jordan Smith are also on IR. I don't know if that's expected to be for the year or not. Uh, yeah, I believe Ben Barch. He kind of went out uh, early in the season, um, and I, I don't, I don't like to just like throw guys under the bus. Um, but you know, he may have been the worst offensive lineman uh, on on the line. So it's not uh, terrible that Tyler Shatley is in there. He he actually he was actually the backup center last year, um, and then he was just able to kind of shift over to left guard and uh, and kind of play there, and he's he's done okay. All right, all right, very cool. Uh, anything else about the off season you want to talk about? Maybe anything in the front office that happened, coaching staff, anything that any hires that you think have been good for developmental purposes? Um. Well, obviously, Doug uh, Peterson was the biggest change. Uh, and you know, he's, he's brought in some, some pretty good guys, uh, you know, press Taylor. I think he's done a great job with Trevor Lawrence. Um, but the, the defensive side of the ball is that's been a little bit of an issue, uh, right now. And Mike Caldwell, he was from, uh, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Um, I think they're as their linebackers coach. Uh, so now he's a defensive coordinator, uh, for the Jaguars and it just, it seems like they're not able to really get off the field. Uh, it's interesting uh, because you know they do really well in, in pass defense, um, but in terms of like time of possession, they give up a lot of first downs. So um, I just think there needs to be a little bit of adjustments on Mike Caldwell's side. Um, but I think in the end, it's it's just going to take a little bit of getting used to all the new coaches in you know in one place. But uh, yeah, Doug Peterson obviously was the biggest addition. I, I really think he's been able to to develop Trevor Lawrence a lot better than, um, you know, his predecessor, uh, Urban Meyer. So, um, so yeah, I, I think uh, Doug Peterson he, he's he's brought he's brought Trevor Trevor Lawrence along pretty well. 
Um, but there is there was a move that was made that actually wasn't during the offseason. And that was only a couple of weeks ago. They actually signed Calvin Ridley. Uh, and I think that was one of the biggest moves. Uh, it's just a shame that obviously he's not going to be available till next year. Mm-hmm. Um, but I would say that would be one of the biggest moves. And he's going to provide a pretty big impact next year for for Trevor Lawrence, because if you know, we have to be honest, and he doesn't have a number one wide receiver like slot guys can't really be number one. I, Cooper Cup might be an exception. Um, Christian, you know, I'm referencing to Christian Kirk. Mm -hmm. He's obviously their best wide receiver, but, um, bringing in Calvin Ridley was obviously, uh, one of the biggest moves that they made so far this season. Oh, good. Uh, You know, it's good to see Ridley get a second chance. Obviously a lot of people liked him for, for the Ravens back in 20, I guess it was 2018, right? Or 2019, whichever the year he was drafted. It was, uh, he was one of the players under consideration for the Ravens. But anyway, the, the, uh, um, nobody does anybody in in Jacksonville or has anybody expressed a concern that the petty gambling thing he did, which is you know just making a small bet himself, obviously, uh, is a concern at all? Uh, no, I think the only thing that was kind of a concern was the bet that he made uh, was that the Falcons would beat the Jaguars, uh, mm-hmm. and that was the bet that he got caught <laughs> he got caught with. So if if anything, it was just a little ironic. But no, I don't think anybody's worried. Um, Jacksonville is a place that uh, that can um, can afford to give guys a second chance. Um, it's pretty much uh, you know throwing everything at the dartboard, see what sticks, and uh, nobody's really focused on the past at all. Right. A lot, a lot of people, and I, I don't want to drag this out too long, but it is kind of an interesting topic. A lot of people think that the Ridley um, suspension was really overdone relative to other things uh, you know personal behavior things often yeah. and i'm setting aside gambling often do get fairly strict penalties like ben roethlisberger in the bathroom and those kind of things but if ben roethlisberger in the bathroom is six games or whatever it was four games after a review and this is a whole season that seems out of line but the nfl has a long history of coming down very hard on crimes against the game as opposed to mm-hmm. actual crimes that are occurring outside of in, in terms of personal behavior and uh, Domestic baseball violence. Well. Uh, yeah. exactly yes <laughs> so uh, i i think uh, by the way i think that's really important for for a sport that's completely gotten in bed with the gamblers the way they have uh you know if they if they want this to be a big part of the revenue they have to clearly show no tolerance for the game being crooked so uh you know that that kind of thing is is it's orders of magnitude worse than Tom Brady inflating footballs, which is also bad. And it's still, you know, a, a uh... yeah, I mean, it's just, uh, it's just tough because you don't ever, there was the whole, uh, thing about the NBA refs, uh, c- kind of throwing games and everything. Uh, but you never hear anything about the NFL refs. And I just, it, I may, I find it hard to believe that there's a zero referees that have ever bet on the game. And yet a player does. And I believe he was injured at the time. I don't even I think, think right. that, he, yeah, he wasn't even playing. So I don't understand how that, you know, actually messes up any in, integrity of the game. But 100%, I, I agree with, uh, you know, with what you're saying. And it's just like, you know, if anything, it should be something maybe more strict on the refs. Um, you know, yeah. Ridley wasn't even playing. So um, I, I just find that to be a little, a little funny, but yeah, you're absolutely right about that. And that's a really good point about the, about the officials too, that they, they need to be squeaky clean and they are reviewed. You know, they, they are constantly, you know, graded and downgraded each week. And we just had Jerome Boger's crew throw three very quick whistles at the Baltimore Ravens this last week. Don't know if you, if you picked up on any of this or heard about any of it, but uh, it was bad. And one of them negated mm-hmm. a, a fumble return for six for, for Humphrey. So uh, they got exactly. the possession corrected, but you know. Yeah, no, I feel that I feel the same way. And if it's like you just have to dive a little bit deeper into that and re- why the refs kind of maybe call things a little one sided, and you, we just don't hear about it in the media ever mm-hmm. about refs being downgraded for what? Like, tell us, give us a little bit more insight on on why these refs are doing these. Or, you know. Yeah, wouldn't that be great? Wouldn't that be great yeah. to understand? Hey, this crew was downgraded by four points for these three calls, kind of thing. If you if you if you just had that information, then you say, well, okay, the NFL is doing something about it. I'm I'm glad to see this. This will affect Boger's retention at the end of two years if he continued to 
you know, be it this way. Yeah. Transparency. That's all I ask. Yeah. No, that's great. Uh, let's move on to the offense. And uh, obviously, a guy's excited about getting Trevor Lawrence last year. Uh, tell us what you've seen developmentally from him. So I think that for starters, he's definitely thrown a lot less interceptions. Um, he doesn't feel like he has to throw it up there to kind of save the game anymore. Uh, he's he's definitely uh, kind of uh, held his arm back. Uh, I remember doing a piece a couple weeks ago on how he wasn't even throwing the pass uh, 40 yards downfield. There were like four weeks in a row where he was not throwing any deep passes. Mm-hmm. One, they really don't have any deep threats uh, outside of Christian Kirk. Uh, who you can double team, but who else can really get down the field faster than these new age corners that are tall and speedy. Um, that's not really uh, the Jaguars game. That doesn't really fit their personnel. Uh, so they're more of a, a um, high percentage completion type of passing team. Uh, they, you know, I could tell that Trevor Lawrence uh, is going through more calculated throws uh, but he's also not taking checkdowns. Uh, it could be seen as a bad thing in terms of uh, if if you were to look at three and outs. Um, they're really not having a ton of three and outs, so it seems like he's just trusting the play calls a lot more. Uh, and he's he's kind of standing in there and he's delivering second level uh, passes pretty well. Okay, so that that meshes with what I'm seeing. If I look at the next gen stats, uh, he's a two point five seven. Uh, time to throw. So the ball is out quickly yes. for him. Is a lot of the Jaguars scheme built around getting the ball out quickly, whether it's wide or on slants or other places to try and uh, get the play moving quickly? Uh, yeah, I would say, um, you know, the, they, they've been able to run some like whip routes with the tight ends, um, but not as many slants um, because they're not more, they're not like a yak team. They're not running a ton after the catch. It's kind of like trying to get the ball past the first down sticks, uh, and that's about it. Uh, they're running some uh, some dagger routes, some some dagger concepts on one side, uh, maybe where the inside guy runs down the seam, and then or the, the outside guy runs down the seam, and then the slot maybe cuts to the outside. So they're they're running some sideline passes. Uh, but it's really down to the it's it's really at the first down markers, um, and more running more like concepts and less relying on the athleticism of one or two guys. Lawrence, uh, a, a real holdover in terms of being a a, a tall quarterback at six six. Uh, there are there are it's a dying breed. There are many more now uh, players where shorter mobile quarterbacks in the in the league and. Uh, uh, Lawrence really looks more like Joe Flacco. He's a better athlete, obviously, but uh, but he looks more like Joe than than a lot of other quarterbacks around. By now, you're probably noticing that there's strange tall boys of beer in the bottled water section of your local stores. Well, that's because it's not beer. It's actually mountain spring water from the Alps, and it's called Liquid Death. Why is it called Liquid Death? Well, because it will brutally murder your thirst, and their infinitely recyclable tall boy cans help bring death to plastic bottles. They also donate 10% of their profits from every can sold to help kill plastic pollution. By now, you probably know how much I love Liquid Death. Well, every week I tell you about a different way I've used Liquid Death to mess with people. This week it was taking a cooler full of Liquid Death to the softball game. Because as our team chugged down Liquid Death, our play improved while the other team drank other stuff and maybe got a little sloppy out on the field. So take Liquid Death. The other team has no clue what you're doing. Or take it to work. We've talked about that many times. Drag it around to your friends at school. Maybe the carpool lane. Maybe we'll talk about the carpool lane next week. Just take Liquid Death. Enjoy it. It's ice cold water. You're going to have a great time and fun. Go get Liquid Death at your local Harris Teeter or 7-Eleven or find Liquid Death retailers near you with their store locator tool at liquiddeath.com slash film study that's liquiddeath.com slash film study yeah and i think i think it's interesting because you would expect a guy at his height to take like a lot of sacks because maybe he wouldn't Mm -hmm. be able to be as mobile kind of looking like a a baby giraffe out there with that height um but honestly uh that's one area where lawrence shows uh, a lot of 
I can't even say development because it's not like last year he took a ton of sacks, but he just continues to show a lot of poise in the pocket and he's able to to get rid of the ball. I think he's I think he has the eighth best sack percentage per game. Um, he's not really giving up uh, a ton of sacks. Yeah, I was I was looking at that and because it's something we look at every week. Yeah, there the sacks per pass attempt. I'm looking at the offense now. Is it four point five two percent? So that that's the third best in the league. I'm thinking now. Maybe oh, wow, I had this nice. wrong. So um, yeah, so, some of these sites say one thing, other sites say I, I got mine from team rankings. I think it was per. I think it's per uh, game or maybe per drive. Okay, this is per pass attempt, so that could differ oh, okay. certainly, and that's it's from the NFL GSIS site. So uh, oh yeah, that's I would the best there. It to be good, yeah. <laughs> So uh, outstanding in terms of, of touch on the football, in terms of leading receivers, how's he been with that? So that that's really been his weakest point right now. Um, I would say personally, just watching the film, uh, touch has been a little bit of an issue. Um, and like, I, I'm not comparing him to Lamar Jackson or anything, but we've seen it even with really good quarterbacks, like with Lamar Jackson, when guys are wide open and maybe just like, the fundamentals from from just trying to either evade a sack, uh, maybe they're leaning back a little bit too far, and it kind of sails a little bit. Um, those are happening. Uh, I wouldn't say like often, uh, but it's definitely a weakness of his game, just like the inaccuracy. Um, and then when when guys are just like wide open, sometimes he'll overthrow them uh, with the touch, where it just seems like he's trying to put a little more power in it. Uh, instead of just like, you know, using his depth perception and hand-eye coordination, which is AKA touch. Um, instead, he's trying to like make an accurate throw and it's just, you know, just throw it up and and let the player uh, come down with it. And and that seems to be a little bit of a struggle uh, right now. Um, but as the weeks go on, like ever since that Raiders game, it seems like he's um, some something kind of clicked. Uh, he's he's definitely been more accurate uh, as of uh, the start of November. All right. Uh, it sounds great. Let's move on to the wide receiver core. And you mentioned a lack of a, a true number one threat, but go through and tell us who they have at wide receiver, who they line up in 11 personnel in particular. Yeah, so they have uh, Marvin Jones, uh, who everybody knows. Um, who uh, He's more of a sideline guy. Uh, so he's he's more of a guy that, you know, you don't really want to give it to him 50-50 balls. Uh, they don't really have a 50-50 uh, type of receiver, but he is a sideline uh, vertical receiver uh, who they can rely on. Uh, Zay Jones uh, is their, their, their other receiver on the other side, uh, and he's more of the possession guy. He, you know, he'll take hits over the middle. Uh, he can... You know he can move uh, from the sideline to uh, to right next to the the offensive line too. He'll, he'll come you know right off of a tight end. Uh, he'll kind of run those whip routes. But he's more of the possession guy. Uh, Lawrence will rely on him uh, when they really need to get a first down. Uh, and Christian Kirk is that speed slot guy. Uh, he's obviously he's that pristine. A uh, route runner who will use his speed uh, to kind of get downfield, be more of a field stretcher, uh, and he's he's also he'll also run some like shallow crosses or deep crosses uh, to kind of split safeties to get somebody open. Okay, so a couple bigger receivers in there. Uh, well, Zay I guess is in between, but but Marvin Jones is clearly a bigger receiver. One of the Ra- Ravens' problems has been having a third cornerback who or a third sorry. Let's call it a fifth defensive back now uh, who can provide anything because they, they actually went to Kyle Hamilton as their full-time slot corner. And he's a, you know, a free safety in college and not a fast one, uh, but he played very well in the, in the position and he was better than their other options. It seems like yeah. this would have been a good game, but uh, you know, he's hurt now and, and unfortunately going to be out for a few weeks after playing well. Uh, so it'll be one of two guys. It'll be uh, Brandon Stevens playing on the outside with Humphrey in the slot, or it'll be Pepe Williams, who's also a rookie, uh, playing in the slot uh, otherwise. So uh, uh, that might be a good matchup for, yeah. for the uh, for the Jags, let's put it that way. 
Yeah, yeah, no, I, I think so. Um, even though Lawrence doesn't really have an, a number one guy, uh, he will switch them up depending on the matchups. Uh, Doug Peterson is a really good uh, game planner, uh, where where he will kind of put a guy at number one, uh, depending on how you know the defense comes out. It's good. You get ex quarterback is going to give you that, right? Mm-hmm, exactly. Yeah. All right. Let's move on to to the running backs. I know you want to talk about Travis at the end, but I'm I'm interested to hear about all of them, uh, particularly from you. Uh, well, they're. <laughs> I was a little upset, going to be honest, when when they got rid of James Robinson. I was always, uh, you know, a big uh, cheerleader of his, uh, you know, being a female and all. <laughs> nah. um, James Robinson, it's just he's a guy that you really like, you know, undrafted free agent. He, he did really well. Um, I, I always thought that him and ETN were um, not going to say their run styles are the same, um, but they can be used in the same scheme. Um, and that was always kind of an issue. Uh, Doug Peterson had to go with the hot hand. And I thought that that was kind of his coaching style anyway, especially when you go back to 2017, uh, you know, with the Eagles, they switched up running backs quite a bit. Um, so I just, you know, I thought that they were going to go with the hot hand and instead they got rid of James Robinson. So, uh, right now it's, it's ETN. He's kind of on a, on a lone ride, ride there. He's, they have Jamichael Hasty. Um, he, he's from San Fran. Um, and Connor Snoop Connor is a rookie. Uh, Snoop hasn't really been getting many touches. I'm not gonna lie. Hasty has been out there a little bit more. He he has a little bit more of the the ex. I don't want to say explosion speed, but like uh, you know, he's able to kind of get outside a little bit easier in terms of like kind of getting outside the tackles. Um, ETN obviously has done a great job uh, in between the tackles, but it seems like, you know, the Jaguars are running a zone style uh, scheme. Now, I'm, I'm glad you're getting into this because I know you have an upcoming article. Maybe you want to tell folks about that or, or, or if you don't, that's fine, too. But uh, with with the Jaguars, the Ravens obviously run a lot of different concepts uh, in their run game. They really have to because they're really trying to stretch the line of scrimmage horizontally and offer a lot of threats that move defenders around and can frankly, create space for Jackson a lot of the time. Um, in, in the case of the of the Jags, are you seeing that kind of a varied run game that there are, it really helps to have two different stylistic fits, like have a power guy and then have a speed guy you can go to or uh, have a, a, a mix of different running back styles you can you can bring in by, uh, uh, you know, what you want to run on a play? No, unfortunately, it's it's not really that type of offense. Uh, it's it's pretty similar to what you see in Kansas City. Like they're not really running too many uh, different running backs back there. They'll they'll put more wide receivers in the backfield and see if they can run some jet sweeps or some even wildcat at times. But um, Hasty hasn't really been like a like a viable number two. Um, I'm not saying he's bad or anything, but it, it just it just seems like Etn has taken majority of the load. They're not running like too many gap uh style uh, type of run plays it's it seems like it's all pretty much uh zone uh so yeah they'll they'll throw like Jamal Agnew in the backfield at times um and kind of see if he's able to uh get outside of the tackles um but yeah they're, they're not they're not like really switching it up too much they don't even use a fullback uh at all so yeah, I, I was going to ask. So they run pretty much out of eleven most of the time, or if they if they run out of twenty one, it's with a it's with a tight end in the backfield. Uh, yeah, if they do, um, but they they rarely do that. Um, if anything, they'll they'll more they'll run more of a twelve or even thirteen personnel. Uh, we've seen uh where they will have the three tight ends. So they have Evan Ingram as more of their receiving tight end. Uh, Chris Manhurts, uh, who's more of obviously the blocker, but he can catch. And then Dan Arnold. Uh, who does a little bit of both too, but sometimes you'll see all three of them out there. I want to say Arnold had a big catch against the Ravens the last time they they played him. Uh, yeah, I, I don't. I am kind of uh, wondering why they don't get him involved a little bit more. Maybe this week will be the game, uh, especially if you know if your memory serves you right, and he and he did well against them last year. You would kind of want to get him a little bit more touches uh, this week. So you know we'll we'll see about that. 
All right, fair enough. Uh, I think we talked about that. Uh, any other common plays or formations that are like the Jaguars' bread and butter? Oh, I would say, um, you know, the daggers, like I kind of touched on a little bit earlier, um, they like to 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 kind of like run those rub routes uh, where they will run, uh, you know, right off of each other to kind of get open on the sideline. Uh, Lawrence has been doing really well throwing in like tight windows between the the sideline and his receiver. Uh, he's he's been he's obviously been able to get it out there really well. Um, so I would just say that in general, um, you know, just more of those like rub routes and daggers and, um, they're not like running too many mesh or anything Mm -hmm. like that. You would expect them to with Christian Kirk in there. Um, but, uh, no, it's, it's more of a, it's more of a stop the clock, throw to the outside or, uh, they're running the ball up the middle. Now it's very interesting the, the the detail you're giving us on the rub route. So let me add this layer to it. Is it mostly a two man game then when they run any kind of rub or, or dagger or, or any kind of attempt to run one route off another where they just line up two receivers or do they ever bunch and go with either three or four uh, in one spot? Uh, so they will run bunch. Uh, sometimes they'll run, you know, that those trips bunch. Uh, they don't really run a spread trips as much as a bunch trips just to kind of keep those cornerbacks off of the line of scrimmage to give them a little bit more room. Um, But outside of that, it is a two-man concept on one side. All right. Outstanding stuff. Very, very detailed. Uh, Let's see. Uh, I think I asked you about the third cornerback. Anything you would expect the Panthers to attack uh, about the Ravens? You, you, you know, you mentioned Peterson is some up matchup based, and 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 that's I, I think you said it actually about Lawrence. Uh, do you think they'll that we'll see, you know, with with Humphrey and Peters in there, and maybe Brandon Stevens is the third cornerback that Brandon Stevens all of a sudden is getting sixty percent of the targets? Yeah, I think uh, I think Christian Kirk might be uh, that highlight of this game. Uh, just because if if the if the Ravens are having trouble at their nickel corner trying to figure that out, um, you know, or you know whoever that third guy is, mm-hmm. you're saying Humphreys, he has been playing the nickel, right? Yeah, they they moved him to slot. They they really want to play him on the outside because Humphreys' physicality yeah. works very well there. But they moved him to the slot because they didn't have another better alternative, and they put in Brandon Stevens on the outside. Stevens is kind of halfway between a safety and a corner. Played both coming out of school. The Ravens really haven't found where he's good in the NFL yet in his second year. So, uh, you know, it's been a been a kind of a tough run for him so far. Yeah, they'll, they'll probably they'll probably look to to attack that a little bit uh, with Christian Kirk. Kind of see if if uh, they'll get him a little bit more involved. Like I said, it's more of a game to game game plan and less of a like, okay, Devontae Adams is our guy. Let's just get him open. You know, type of type of offense <laughs> all right all right outstanding uh let's move over to the defense so the first thing i always like to ask is um how do they how do they typically line up uh versus very heavy formations because that's basically all the ravens present to the opponent is formations that have at least two of tight ends and uh six offensive linemen and fullbacks so run, they do run a lot of 12 but they also run a lot of heavier things like 22 and 13 where you're 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 seeing even more tight end and fullback centric offenses, and of course Patrick Ricard being who he is 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 on the field a lot. So how, how do you expect the the Jaguars to kind of line up against that uh, in this game? So they do run uh, with nose tackles. Uh, Devon Hamilton uh, has come in there, uh, but they they have had trouble uh, with those uh, with those heavy personnel schemes. Um, and it was because of uh, their their off season pickup from the Jets, um, Fatukasi. Fatukasi. Mm-hmm. Sorry, I, I kind of have to like really pronunciate his name so I don't say it wrong. So uh, he's really been like their big force on the defensive line. Uh, he's been able to kind of penetrate the backfield and stop those runners. Um, and he was hurt, so he his first game back I think was last week. Uh, and he's still kind of getting, uh, kind of getting used to used to it, you know, getting back in the swing of uh of getting those defensive snaps. But they certainly run, um, 
you know, they'll, they'll pull out, you know, nose tackles. They'll, they'll really stuff the middle. I think, I think it would be better if, if Trayvon Walker was kind of put to the inside a little bit uh, because of his lack of pass rush moves on the outside, like getting around tackles. So there are times where they do put Trayvon Walker into the middle, um, but they, they mostly run a three, four defense. So, uh, you know, the, and, but that's with, that's with obviously um, two outside linebackers on the outside. So there are, um, there are five guys on the line of scrimmage. Right. So that's kind of, it does work well against uh, heavy personnel. Um, so, you know, yeah, that's how they pretty much try to stop that. Okay. So we'll probably see that. And then on third down, uh, third and seven, third and eight, when it's not, when it's not a real third and short situation, uh, how do they like to line up? Do they, do they go to any kind of automatic dime formation where they take a linebacker off the field or do they, do they stay with a nickel and, and they like their two linebackers? Uh, so yeah, they, they do like their two linebackers, uh, generally, um, because right now with the cornerback situation kind of being a little up in the air, that's definitely going to be a target in the draft, uh, is another corner. Uh, so, you know, they, they, that's why they kind of put in Chad, uh, Muma at times, uh, just to kind of see, you know, what he's able to do. Uh, but obviously on third and longs, since he's more of a run stopper, he, he's not out there as often. Uh, but they'll drop Devin Lloyd. Um, you know, that they've had, they've brought in Trayvon Walker just to have him drop back into coverage at times. Um, and then they'll, they'll bring in Dwayne Smoot, uh, who's kind of been that cleanup guy, uh, because he's obviously, he's a lot better when it comes to, uh, being able to get around tackles. Uh, so he's, he's definitely out there more on those third downs than any other defensive lineman. All right. I'm, I, I'm noticing, we'll talk about him when we get to the linebackers. I wanted to ask you about Ola Oaken, if I pronounced his name there correctly. Aluakon. Uh, Aluakon. Okay. So, uh, when is he used? I'm seeing he's getting a lot of snaps. Yeah, every, all the time. Okay. He, so. He's out there like, I think like 80% of snaps. That's just off the top of my head. Uh, you know, don't quote me on that or anything. But yeah, he's he's on the field the most out of every uh, out of every defender. I think right now he's third in the league in tackles. He was number one last year on the Falcons. Huh. Okay. So is is he the green dot for the team? Yeah. Yes, he okay. is. Okay. All right. Wonderful. All right. Uh, let's move on. Talk a little bit about the defensive line and maybe do they rotate on the defensive line? Do they play a lot of the same guys for a heavy workload? How, how do they handle it? Yeah, they are switching it up a lot. Um, they brought in Arden Key, uh, who was from the San Francisco 49ers. He's he's getting a lot more. Um, he's getting a lot more snaps on the, on the defensive side of the ball. So they'll bring him in. Um, they also, uh, they're, they will also, you know, like I said, they'll bring in Smoot, uh, who'll kind of be the one to, to, to clean up, to be able to, uh, stop some guys on, on third down. Um, but generally it's, it is like a rotating door because nobody seems to be that clear guy outside of Josh Allen, um, who, obviously isn't really getting a lot of sacks either. So I think right now the the Jaguars are pretty like they're at the bottom of the league when it comes to sacks. So I think they're 28th. Um but it's weird because they they're top 10 in hurries and in knockdowns, like quarterback hits. So they just can't finish. They're just it seems like they're playing teams that get the ball out quick. Uh so it's just they're yeah they're they're really low in sacks and it just seems like they maybe it is a rotation issue that they just haven't figured out yet um you know maybe they should give Trayvon Walker a little bit more chance more chances on third down uh to see what maybe he can do but as of right now it just seems like there's different guys in there on like every snap okay all right I I, I generally I prefer that for rest purposes we see a, you know a, a heavily rotated defensive line here in Baltimore I think it's actually worked pretty well for them so Maybe it's just a matter of them, you know, finding the combinations that work as yeah. they as they move along. Uh, all right, uh, pass rush. You want to talk scheme and personnel there on who they have on the edge? Do they like to blitz? What kind of scheme do they like to use? How, whatever yeah. you want to talk about. 
so they aren't blitzing a ton, uh, to be honest. Uh, they have Josh Allen and, you know, like I said, Trayvon Walker on the outside. Uh, they also have uh, Arden Key and Dwan Smoot, like I had mentioned. Uh, but, you know, outside of those guys, um, yeah, there aren't too many guys that are that are rushing the passer. Maybe that's why they're, they don't have that many sacks because they aren't blitzing a ton. Um, they are more, you know, worried about uh, having more of like a shell defense over the top, uh, which is good. Uh, you know, they're, they're not letting uh, too many of those boom plays. Uh, not They're not allowing too many explosive plays. Um, but yeah, the, the pass rush is a little bit of an issue. Uh, like I said, being 28th in the league, um, that's one area that they need to they need to clean up. All right, fair enough. Um, how about we go to some positional groups then? Uh, I, th- I think we talked enough about the defensive line, but maybe go across in terms of the linebackers and uh, uh, who's playing, what they what they actually provide to the defense. Yeah, so uh, Devin Lloyd. Um, he's in the beginning of the season, he was doing really well with like identifying, uh, plays, uh, kind of, uh, recognizing, uh, when maybe the fakes are happening, uh, or, you know, screen recognition, uh, lately he's kind of been a little off. Uh, so like I said, you know, that's why, uh, Chad kind of came in, uh, to, to help him out a little bit, but yeah, Luakon is that main linebacker. Um, you know, he's doing everything from run fits to obviously coverage. Um, but because of their like lack of like production, tight ends have seemed to do pretty well against the Jaguars. Um, there was one uh, drive in particular against the Broncos where Greg Dolchich just like went off. I think right before halftime, the Broncos were down, I believe. Uh, and Greg Dolches had like six catches for like 96 yards and they just drove down the field to like take the lead right before halftime. Um, so, you know, the Ravens have two really good tight ends uh, in Isaiah Likely and Andrews, uh, Mark Andrews, right? So that is going to, that is, uh, I would pay attention to those two guys uh, this week. If you're a Ravens fan uh, or even like in fantasy, uh, maybe that's something that you would want to pay attention to, uh, because the Jaguars definitely had has it has had an issue uh, with stopping them. All right, outstanding. So uh, we'll look forward to that because the Ravens certainly don't have a lot of receiving options. They uh, they found yeah. one this last week, but uh, uh, Lamar is uh, constantly been struggling with Bateman out. Uh, talk about the secondary a little bit. And I know this has been a, you know, a, a, a banged up area, but, uh, take us through each of the, the, each of the players that, uh, see regular time. Yeah. So, um, earlier when you asked about the second year players who have kind of really shown a lot, um, dude, Tyson Campbell is playing out of his mind. He's doing really well. Um, and it, it's not surprising. Uh, he, he did really well in college. Um, so yeah, I'm, I believe he was a Georgia Bulldog. You know, the, those defenders coming out of there are always um, a little bit better than expected. They can kind of come in and, and start in an NFL defense. Uh, the only trouble he ever really had was kind of getting his head around when he's one-on-one manned up deep. Um, I think uh, McLaurin from the Commanders had a really devastating catch in the fourth quarter on him. Um, I think uh, against the Eagles, he kind of let up you know, one to one, man, man to man, one on one, up the sideline. That's really his only downfall. He's been working on that though. Um, I think he's one of the top corners in the league right now. Uh, so he's really the the standout, um, standout defensive back. Um, the other one's Andre Cisco. So he's also uh, he came out of Syracuse, um, mm-hmm. and he's played really well as well. My my alma mater, Syracuse, but going back to uh, Campbell for a moment, uh, he's a, that prototype aircraft carrier size cornerback at six one one ninety five. Now you, you know, I guess you can get up to two oh six, and you get like, some six two guys now at cornerback. But at six one one ninety five, to me, that's that's an aircraft carrier. He's never playing anywhere but on the outside. You wouldn't move mm-hmm. that guy into the slot. Um, but but you mentioned physicality has not been maybe what you'd hoped from him. Yeah, I would say uh, when when running one-on-one down the sideline, he can – I'm not going to say he gets stacked a lot, 
uh, where their wide receiver kind of gets in front of him. Mm-hmm. Um, but in terms of at the catch point, uh, he seems sometimes to get a little bit lost. So it, it, it's like he's not he's unable to get his head around. He 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 can't determine if it's either going to be a back shoulder um, or if it's going to or if the quarterback is going to lead the wide receiver. Um, so he's, you know, at that catch point, that's when he's, he has a little bit of the trouble, but in terms of the run game and maybe identifying screens and being able to get tackles, solo tackles, he's fine in that department. Take, take us back to your own playing days for a moment. And I, I know you probably had some receiving options in addition to, to running and from the running back position, but how did you like to work on probably a linebacker in your case, who might've been covering you in terms of making them make the wrong move? Hmm. Well, yeah, I, uh, I didn't, so we ran more of like a, like a, um, we ran more of like a college style, uh, offense where it it was spread, but I wasn't really catching the ball that much, but I did play corner. So I, I played corner against wide receivers and you know, the, if, if anything, they, they try to maybe look us off, uh, with their eyes a little bit sooner or, um, or maybe use their hands like in a gesture. If, if you're running um, one of my, one of my favorite routes uh, when you run up the sideline and then you run up, I don't mm-hmm. know why that, that, uh, that uh, route is, uh, is slipping my mind, but uh, basically, you know, you kind of put up your hands to kind of fake it out a little bit, but you have to be able to stay in front of your, of your uh, wide receiver. Uh, and that's always staying square uh, until you're ready to run. Uh, with them downfield and you have to have your hand on them as you look back. Uh, and that's one thing that right now Tyson Campbell hasn't been able to do. He's not, he's not using the position as a way to kind of attack the ball. He's more of a defender to try to see, okay, can I knock the ball out of his hands? He has to kind of attack the ball a little bit more um, and kind of mimic some of the wide receiver um, tactics when it comes to running down the sideline. Uh, keeping your hand on the jersey and looking back so you have a feel for the guy instead of being worried about losing him and always kind of focusing on him. Just kind of turn your head around, look for the ball, um, and maybe you'll get a chance of actually intercepting it. So I, I want to dig a little deeper because it's fascinating. This is obviously a great experience you're, you're, you're sharing with us, Bear. But the, the keeping your hand on the receiver, part of that is making sure you don't run through the receiver. Is that correct? And create that pass interference play? Uh, yeah, it, it would be that. And, uh, and I, I think, um, a lot of times cornerbacks will be so focused on their guy. They forget about if they just look where the ball is going, then the guy doesn't matter, you know? So you just have to have your hand to see, okay, am I losing him? Because if I can go to the ball, then it doesn't matter, uh, exactly where the wide receiver is. Um, so it's more of just like, you know, getting in between him and the ball. All right. Great insights. Really appreciate you delving into that. Maybe continuing along with the, with the other defensive backs. Yeah. So um, Andre Cisco, like I said, the, the um, Syracuse, he's a ball hawk, man. So uh, I think he had like the most uh, interceptions, um, you know, at, in college football uh, when he was coming out, uh, he doesn't really have a ton of, interceptions i think he has two um don't quote me on that though but um andre cisco he actually had two of the two of the um defensive pass interference calls last week or unnecessary roughness where he was leading with his head quote unquote uh where um i think he knocked juju smith schuster out which i guess some nfl fans are kind of happy about that after all <laughs> like the junk that he talks um, but he's becoming more of a hard hitter. Uh, he's becoming more of a guy that's getting used to the speed of the game. Um, <clears throat> obviously, uh, he's he just needs to kind of get maybe his hands on the ball a little bit more. Uh, then there's Rayshon Jenkins, uh, who's the safety. And he is he's night and day from last year. Just his physicality and getting to the ball in general. Uh, he just seems like he's he's been a missile. Uh, he's playing in the box, um, so he will be that guy to kind of stop the screens, blow up those screens. Um, he was on the injury uh, report. I think he was limited in practice. Uh, so 
but you know, outside of him, uh, and obviously like you brought up Chase on, um, the injuries haven't been that bad, but yeah, Rayshon Jenkins has been a night and day from last year. He's, he's done really well. And to be honest, which is, this is really surprising stat. The Jaguars are the number one pass defense team in the NFL. They have the most with 61. I'm sorry, 61 PDs. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. That's terrific. Yeah. It's, it's, it's kind of surprising. Like, you know, I watched their games week in and week out and, I just, I didn't know that they would be in the top and they're number one. I think they lead it by like 10 or six or something like that. You mentioned they're knocking down some balls at the line of scrimmage, which would figure into that total. Is that a, a, a really significant number? Uh, no, I don't think they're, I don't think the, the, at the line of scrimmage is, is a huge uh, number. It's, it's more about them doing really well in zone uh, okay. because they're playing more of a zone defense. Uh, so they're able to kind of get in there and knock the ball down, and they're forcing the quarterbacks to kind of throw in tighter windows, okay. so which happens to lead to broken up passes. All right, outstanding. So I guess the biggest question would be, how do you expect uh, you know the Jaguars to try and um, go after Lamar either as a as a passer or otherwise defend against the assets that the Ravens have in this game? Yeah, it's it's going to be tough. Like. In the past, the Jaguars have had a little bit of an issue with running, with running uh, quarterbacks. Uh, lately, with their weapons in terms of speed, um, they've gotten a lot better. Uh, you look at Trayvon Walker; he's he's definitely a fast guy for his size. Josh Allen can get out there and move. Um, Foyer Luakon, like you mentioned, um, you know he he is he's really fa- he's a side sideline to sideline defender linebacker. Um, he can, he can really get out there. They'll probably put a spy on Lamar, uh, and kind of keep him do their best to keep him contained. Cause it just seems like everything is so off script with, with Lamar. Um, and that's one thing I'm, I'm afraid of, uh, is the scramble drill, uh, in terms of, uh, the secondary, uh, not getting out of position because that happened a lot against Patrick Mahomes. There was one play where Patrick, kind of ran out of the pocket and he uh he got I think uh not Kenny Galladay uh Kadarius Tony one of those Giants players mm-hmm. um he got Kadarius Tony for his first touchdown in the NFL and I'm pretty sure it was uh it was the top play in this season like where the guy was open by the most yards oh. so basically a broken play where there wasn't a defender even in his vicinity. So, and that's all because uh, Patrick Mahomes and his wide receivers are always on the same page, even when he's scrambling outside the pocket. So um, that seems to be a little bit of an issue uh, in um, in the, the Jaguars defense, especially if you're in like a zone match, uh, you know, where, yeah, it's a zone defense. So you expect all the defenders to kind of stay in their place, right? But when you pull in the match concept, and that means you match the guy that runs into your zone, then you can pull guys away and just bring another guy back underneath, and Clear he's up. wide open. That's because of that zone match concept. So um, they have to really make sure that um, the defensive line gets home, and that's the only way to prevent that from happening. All right. Outstanding stuff. Just just fantastic. Can you, can you come maybe up with – one player maybe on each side of the ball, or if you just want one player, that's fine, uh, who really matches up well against the Ravens. Uh, so, I mean, like you said, the the, the Ravens right now are kind of having trouble with uh, with their wide receivers. Um, so uh, that's a little tough uh, in terms of, uh, you know, I'm trying to think of a matchup for, for Tyson Campbell. Um, but Did they move him in on Andrews. Even is that a, we've seen a lot no. of that sauce Gardner went into Andrews. Yeah, unfortunately, I just like you said, I think he's gonna just gonna stay on the outside, and he's a guy that you just you know you just lock down that one side, but everything else you know goes to crap. Yeah, that's that's uh, the Jaguars defense. No, I'm just kidding. But <laughs> no, I would say uh, I would say the matchup to really watch would be um, would be. Any of your tight ends, whether that's likely uh, or that's Mark Andrews, um, and that would be against 
um, maybe Darius Williams, who's the corner, uh, or if they leave the linebacker in there, uh, and that would be Foye Aluakon, kind of see maybe how that would work out. Um, I I would say that's one of the best matchups so far. Um, And then obviously your, your stacked defensive line versus the Jaguars offensive line. Right now, they're not terrible. Um, Juwan Smoot, I mean, Juwan Smoot, um, wow. Uh, Juwan Taylor, I just mixed those two guys up, Dwayne Smoot and Juwan Taylor. So Juwan Taylor, their right tackle, um, the Jaguars right tackle, he's been he's been pretty good. He kind of really turned it around from last year. And it was because they drafted, the Jaguars drafted Walker Little, uh, and they were kind of sharing snaps in in the uh, in preseason, uh, and they really made Juwan like really earn his spot. Uh, so the right side, he hasn't been too bad uh, in terms of uh, the pass rush. Um, Cam Robinson, the left tackle, he's more of a running um, like a, he he'll, he'll come out and lead block. Um, they obviously then got the Brandon Sheriff, the right guard. Um, from from Washington Commanders, and then Luke Fortner, that center. So they've been kind of they've been they've been pretty good. They haven't let up too many sacks for Lawrence. Um, that may be in part Lawrence is kind of getting the ball out quick. Uh, but I am kind of excited to see uh your defensive line against uh the Jaguars' offensive line. That should be fun. All right. By the way, really appreciate you coming back because I think I missed. Going asking you about the offensive line at any point. That's a big whiff on my part, but I appreciate you taking us back through those players at, at yeah. this point. Yeah, no problem. Thank you so much, man. Lori, always a pleasure to have you on the show and you're welcome anytime. If you want to talk during the off season and have some, you know, AFC talk, love to do that with you. Uh, tell folks where they can find your work. Yeah. So on, on Twitter, I'm posting all of the articles that I write. Again, that's at Laurie Fitzpatrick. I'm going to spell it out. L-A-U-R-I-E-F-I-T-Z-P-T-R-C-K. At Laurie Fitzpatrick on Twitter. Um, And I'm writing articles for USA Today Touchdown Wire uh, with Doug Farrar, who does a fantastic job uh, there with us. So uh, touchdownwire.usatoday.com. All right. Outstanding. Other folks out there, if you'd like to be on a film study short, hit me up. I'm always looking for a couple of pods per week that are outside of the normal uh, set of shows we do. You know what those are. Uh, Hit me up with a DM on Twitter. They're always open. Anything you can do to promote the show is really appreciated. What we are asking people to do is tell one other people about the Know Your Foe episode. So you hear Lori on the show. He's got a lot of interesting things to say about about how to play cornerback, for example. see if somebody else might be interested in that. And we really appreciate any uh, word of mouth advertising you could do for us. Lori, thanks again for coming on. Yeah, not a problem. Um, Guys, can anybody um, that's interested in gap style run uh, schemes, I'm, I'm currently writing an article right now on that. It's kind of up and coming with the lack of size to linebackers. And I think the fullback is kind of coming back. And if there's one team that runs really well, hard nose. Some gap-style run schemes, that's the Ravens. So I'm going to touch on them a little bit in my next article so you guys can check that out. That that sounds great, Lori. We'll, uh, I'm sure we'll have a lot of people uh, looking for that. And uh, we'll make sure your your uh, uh, Twitter handle is included in the promos for the show so they'll be able to have a way to get back to those articles. Thanks again for coming on. Thank you. And we'll talk to you next time on Film Study. <laughs> You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, activities, excursions, and more in one place to make your trip truly unforgettable. Viator has over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from. 
Everything from simple tours to extreme adventures and all the niche, interesting stuff in between. So you can plan something that everyone you're traveling with will enjoy. Real Traveler Reviews give the inside scoop from people who've already been on the experiences you're considering. So you can plan with confidence. Free cancellation helps you plan for the unexpected. And 24-7 customer support means you can travel worry-free. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you. With professional-grade industrial supplies, count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.